Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hello, and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, returning fresh after the international break. And for the first time in a month, not making a mess of my introduction. I am joined by Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hi, Connor. Uh, glad to be back after this international break. And yeah, um, I'm feeling great. Well, I'm not surprised. Well, at least based on the Serie A results. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. And also here to hold our hand through it all is the fourth Italian football official granddad, Kev Pogazowski. Kev, how are you feeling? Not that old. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm good, thank you, Connor. Uh, I think you two boys are doing better than me because I had another horror show in Milan last night where one of the, my, my mates in Parma decided to say to me last week, oh, do you remember that time when you went to Milan and stayed up all night and got the train back? Did you fancy doing that again this week? And for some reason I said, yeah. So having worked at Parma Atalanta earlier in the day, we headed up to Inter Lazio expecting a good game and, we were treated to the exact opposite. And then we just hung around Milan drinking all that. So it was like a home at 7am this morning and it's now 1am the following morning. So I feel great. Absolutely great. So Kev, you're not the only one trying to fight off sleep, but anyway, let's get on with this. And where better to start than with your best friend, Kev, Robin Olsen and his mates down in Rome, because Roma were absolutely thumped. 4-1 4-1 by Napoli. And all I could think throughout this game and afterwards was, wow, Roma are really bad. Like, Kev, what else can we really say about them? No, I'm, I'm, it's just strange. They've been, they've been bad all season, though, really. I've, I've, I've mentioned it before that I think Di Francesco got um, quite harsh criticism, really, for... For, for just how bad the, the the players are playing, really. They just seem to have had the spine ripped out of them. They obviously lost Allison and Nangalon in the summer. 
And Eden Dzeko, although his, his, his scoring record on paper probably looks quite good, he's, he's, he's had the, the issues with getting sent off and the, you know, the lack, of, uh, lack of discipline. And, and they say it's just that spine of the team. Just you know, when you're when you're thinking that Zaniolo is the one that's really been carrying them for a lot of a season, he's a he's a kid. You know, it's, that shouldn't rest on his on his shoulders, really. No, he's he's a kid who Inter gave away as well to get Nangalan. So it shows he's. You mentioned the spine of the team, but Vito, do Roma even really have a spine? No, unfortunately, they look. Put it this way, they generally are spineless. And now that Monchi's gone, they've got a chance at the end of this season with hopefully a new sporting director to rebuild that spine. And more than anything, they've got to rebuild that defence. I think Costas Manolis is too good for Roma. He should be sold for a huge profit if possible. But the rest of them, like Federico Fazio, Juan Jesus, even... Ivan Marcano, who hasn't played much, they got to go because they are genuine weak links. Well, there's there's no strong points in this team. Kev mentioned Jacko, and he's been poor. I think, like you said, Kev, Zaniolo being the shining light is crazy. Um, we do have Aaron Holland, actually, in the comments already. Good evening, Aaron. It's, it's nice to see you. I'm sure you're happy to be joining us. And he, he feels wonderful, I'm sure, after watching that Roma performance. He's pointed out that there's there's no mana loss against Fiorentina. Kev, are we going to see a repeat of the seven one? <laughs> well, maybe not quite the seven one, but I I do think that that Fiorentina are going to go there and going to probably pick up three points, even with as sort of hit and miss as they've been this year. You think if Chiesa gets running at that defence, you know Roma are going to be slipping and slipping. Yeah, this is it. How much further can they fall? Because they're seventh now. You don't want to get too carried away because they are still just four points off the Champions League, right? But they're also just two points above ninth. They could quite feasibly finish banging mid-table this season. Yeah, yeah. well, probably, I think so. You're looking at... There's, there's no hope for them now of Champions League. Really, you know, the others won't drop enough points for them to to climb up there. And when you, you know, when they conceded that second goal against Napoli, you just looked at the players' faces. You know, and I think that's why they conceded so quickly after that goal as well. It's just the energy just seems to have been drawn out of them. It's I, I, they're such a frustrating club because, like Inter, you end up just saying. The, coming to the same conclusions every single season. And I don't quite understand why they can't rectify the problems that have existed for so long. But I think you're right about Di Francesco getting a bit of a hard ride. And I think I said it on the pod after he and um, Monchi left, which is, it was strange for them to let Monchi go and then Di Francesco after. I don't really know what the the plan was there, especially to bring in... Claudio Ranieri until the end of the season what his his last job that he left not that recent not that long before taking over at Roma was was a disaster and Fido what is what is next not just between now and the end of the season but from the summer onwards for Roma well the usual speculation has been circling around again about 
who's going to be the next coach? Um, well, there's still talk that Sari on Chelsea could join, especially if they miss out on the Champions League. And, and then, look, Antonio Conte, I think, is personally unrealistic, but his name still gets mentioned. And then there's uh, Gasparini from your club, uh, Atalanta. But after what happened at Inter eight years ago, I still think him at a big club might be a bit of a risk. And he's doing so well at Atalanta. Why would he want to go into the fire cauldron that's Roma? For me, that, his for me, that's more the point, which is that why on earth would he go there? He's got a comfortable enough deal at Atalanta, he, he always goes on about how much he loves Bergamo, he loves the fans there. He could go to Rome and it could just turn toxic so, so fast. And I just, I don't see what the way forward for them is, especially if the teams around them do strengthen. Because you would expect Milan to be even that little bit stronger next season. Napoli are obviously strong, Juve again. What is the point in Roma? But anyway, Kev, let's focus on the positives from this game. And Napoli were. Well, I'm not sure how good they were. They were as good as they needed to be, I guess. But they still put four goals past Roma in Rome, so they deserve some credit. Yeah, absolutely. They got they got the job done. You know, it was yeah. They could have taken their foot off the gas. Um, you know, there's going to be a midweek round of fixtures. They're pretty much far and away going to finish second behind Juve. They can't catch them. They again, we sort of mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that they've been up and down with regards to they've had, when they've had a Europa League tie, you know, maybe not showing as much effort when they drew away somewhere. That's it. Yeah. Remind me of that game, please. So, but yeah, yeah, obviously it was, it was uh, the Derby of the South as they call it. So maybe that gave them uh, some fresh impetus. And it's certainly a, a lovely looking day down in Rome. So maybe that to uh, spark them on to, um, Pull out their uh, their attacking um, attacking skills. Vito, I'll go to you. Eric Millick scored another really nice goal where he showed just how technically good he is. Always oh, a fabulous turn to open the scoring, to set control with the side of his foot and to turn like that. Um, yeah, very very exquisite, and it shows that he's not just you know just some lumberjack uh, centre forward. Is uh, when he's fit, he does show some mobility, and in that moment there, he's actually got some decent enough technical skills, and I reckon that's necessary in a team like this Napoli side, which has actually some flair about it, especially when they really have that desire to put on a show. And look, as bad as Roma were, um, Napoli themselves played a fine game, and Milik was one of the reasons for that. I really do think he's so perfect for that team because, as you were saying, he does have that kind of technical ability and everything. And then he offers them something slightly different too. It's He is big <laughs> and he can win headers and he can be physical. It's not what he's about necessarily all the time, but he, he does kind of offer them that as well without having to make a substitute. I just think he's, he's also perfect. Kev, I did lie. We're not quite finished with Roma. Before we move on, give your friends some praise. Robin Olsen, he was good, wasn't he? Oh yeah, brilliant! <laughs> he's uh, he's really nailed being able to ha- uh, jump over a ball that's being drilled across the box. How you know, slowly did he go down for that one? Oh my days! 
Yeah, well, I, directly afterwards in commentary, they they mentioned that Roma were already looking for keepers. I think they're probably already looking for keepers in um, in October. Um, oh, the man's a car crash. Do you know what? Even even the third goal, if you watch the replay of it, he sets off on a run. Like, I can't, who was it? Verdi that got the third. But Verdi got the third. Yeah. Yeah, Verdi controls the ball, and Olsen decides that he's going to pass it to the right and Olsen like takes a step to his left which just leaves the whole net open for Verdi and it's oh, Robin Olsen the problem is you know we, we will be discussing another uh, goalkeeping error this weekend later in the um, program but it's the timing of it you know it was 1-1 he makes that mistake and within four or five minutes they've scored a third and it was there's there's a there's a close up after the goal's gone in and you watch both Manalas and certainly Fazio. Fazio's the one I remember. They just look they have that look on their face of he's done it again. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're two one down, then quickly they score a third, and that's it. You know, the the game is effectively over, certainly in their minds, if not, you know, there's plenty of time left. But it just, it, again, I mentioned it before, it just sucks the life out of you as a player. I think to see, you know, to see your your good efforts go to waste because you've got that behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to Robin Olsen and his, and his pals, Roma are now on the second longest winless run in Serie A currently. It is only two games, but it sounds more dramatic when you put it that way. <laughs> let's go with that. Um, let's go to that other goalkeeping error then, shall we? Because that was... That was fun for all of us, especially for you, Vito, I'm sure. And it came courtesy of Gianluigi Donnarumma. And Sam got the win. But let's kick things off for this by talking about Donnarumma. Let's get involved in the Donnarumma debates. Um, I found quite a, the, uh, quite a lot of the reaction a little bit extreme. Believe it or not, the internet went a bit mad. And people were talking about how this was going to be potentially the mistake that cost Milan the Champions League. And I thought, well, they were in the Champions League places before and after it. So surely if they miss out, there are other things to point at rather than this one error from Donnarumma. Definitely. I mean, you also got to, we'll talk more about the error, but there are the problems with Milan. I mean, the fact that Gattuso uses a 4-3-3 formation with Suzu out of all people as a winger, he persists with Hakan Chalkanoglu, and yeah, it's just mind-boggling that uh, you know those guys don't get dropped often enough. But going back to the era, yeah, it's those little moments that can be costly in individual games. But I think because it's Donnarumma and the expectation that's been placed on him, as well as some of the criticism that he's got in the past because he has. Mino Raiola as an agent, I think his errors are going to be scrutinised more than most other goalkeepers. Even Alex Merritt, who's another promising Italian goalkeeper, he gave away a penalty, but fortunately his team won comfortably, so it's not scrutinised as much. Mm. Donnarumma, it's always it's a feast or a famine with the reaction to him, I find. He's so divisive, basically because of that whole contract situation even amongst Milan fans you see online it's quite a strange response you see to anything that he does and Kev surely that can't be helpful for him he is still a young guy I know he's played an insane number of games for someone of his age but the the reaction every time he does anything can't be 
good for him. No, the um, I say he's he's ridiculously young still. He's going to make mistakes, and I I kind of I, I missed the game live on the on Saturday evening, so I watched it back early Sunday morning, and I I didn't realize until I watched it back how early he makes the mistake, and that's thirty seconds, I think. I think. Yeah, then that's when I think it's really harsh to sort of blame this defeat on him because Milan had, you know, in excess of 87, 88 minutes to actually recover. You know, and their failings really is their ability to break Samp down after that. I know obviously Samp are defending a lead, but Samp aren't the type of side that are going to defend that 1-0 lead, you know, with 10 men behind the ball. You know, they, they will still play expansive football because they're at home. So Milan should still have been able to do better after that. If it comes in the 88th minute and it's nil-nil and it's a tight game, and then, you know, that that's when he's... I know he should be concentrating all the time, but that's when it's most crucial, if you like. You know, when you're when you're trying to do the things that your coach has clearly asked you to do, which is pass out from the back, then mistakes will happen. Mm. And that's when a, a coach should really back his goalkeeper in it or his players, whoever makes a mistake, and say, I'm asking them to play this way. You know, whereas in-game management if they're doing that in the last couple of minutes of a game and then throwing points away there then you can you can almost blame the individual mm. but Milan as a side should have had enough to to make a better a better um, go at really recovering to Gattuso's credit I'm pretty sure he has said something similar whether it was this weekend or in the past about how Donnarumma will make mistakes because he has to he's been told to play that way I, I hated the responses that, oh, he should have just booted it into the stands, but he's specifically being told not to do that. So he shouldn't do that. My problem with, now I don't know where I fall, right? Because maybe against someone like Sampdoria who press so well and so incessantly, maybe this is the game where you take Donnarumma inside and say, okay, today, if you need to hit it long, hit it long. Um, but given that that didn't happen, it's Donnarumma's decision not to play it out from the back, but to play it where he did just seems strange because the Frel's always closing down that angle. I think it was it was one of the centre-backs, Musacchio or Romagnoli, had dropped to his right. So I don't know why he didn't just knock it out that way. It seemed like a, a really strange passing option to try and take, Vito. Oh, it was a strange one because it were where the throw was running was basically in the same path as the ball when uh, Donnarumma had received it. So it would have been better for Donnarumma to actually just pass straight in front of him because uh, looking at the replay, if he had just gone straight instead of pass on that angle, there wasn't a sump player that was close enough to intercept the ball. Whereas when he made that so-called pass, it was straight into the throw. And, yeah, it was basically... A gift for the throw, really. I mean, it wasn't like the throw had to do much to retrieve the ball. It was just straight at him, bounced off him, and he got the only goal of the game. Yeah, that was it. He just had to move his leg slightly to the left, and it, mm. it went in. It, it was it was crazy. But Kev, what do you think? Does Gattuso is Gattuso at fault for this? And... No, I don't, don't think so. Well, what, the defeat or the, the mistake? I think the mistake, I mean, even with the games that Donnarumma has played, the, you know, the sheer number at his age, there's still an element of his age. You know, he's still, he's still inexperienced in years, if not in, in, in playing minutes. 
And Gattuso, I know you sort of mentioned about, you know, you're, you're playing Sam, they press high. He's probably told the team to go out there and try and kill the atmosphere and that pressing by trying to control the ball at the back. He's probably emphasised we need to keep hold of the ball for the first five minutes just to just to quieten the crowd. And if they've got that on their mind, then it's a it's a it's a bad mistake with where he's directed the ball to go. But oh, it's it's probably come directly from Gattuso. One of you guys mentioned Chalon Oglu. And Kev, what is he supposed to do for Milan? Because so far this season, I'm not seeing him do anything that resembles what you would imagine is supposed to be his job. No, just shoot from distance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Milan's kind driver. Yeah, yeah well, but we've, we've said this about Suso, haven't we? I think there's a level of player that Milan have been buying for the last few years while they've tried to sort of recover. And, and those are the players that need to really be out this summer. We try and make a little bit of money on them if you if you can, because there there are sides across Europe that will want to take those sort of players. You know, he's proven in the Bundesliga, so maybe you'd look at selling someone like Chalon Logu back to the Bundesliga. But you need to buy that that level of player up, or you know, take a look at what's in your youth uh, your youth system if you think they're going to be pushed on and be a, a you know that level up from a from what they've got at the moment. Well, he almost did leave in January, didn't he? It looked like he was going to, and it seemed like it was probably going to be good business for for everyone involved, but he didn't. He's still there, along with the other one, Vito Suzo, who, again, was a bit of a joke. The only decent thing he really did was when he went on that dribble in the first half and he managed to curl in a shot with his left foot, but... uh, Emil Odero made a good save from that shot, and that was probably about it from Suzo. Uh, I'm not a Milan fan, but I'm honestly getting sick of him, to be honest. They really got to try and sell him because he's not going to improve. And, you know, I'm convinced Milan won't win trophies with him in the squad. They got to sell him. They got to really keep building the squad and... Yeah, anything major, you know, whether it be a Coppa Italia, the Scudetto, Milan will not be winning it with Suzo in the team because he's just too predictable and he's just too patchy for a team like Milan. Milan needs players who are consistent and have the will to win week in, week out. You can't just pick and choose games where you want to do well and that's how it feels when I watch Suzo play. It's quite similar in a way to Ricardo Rodriguez, who's... It wasn't even his worst game the other day, but there were just some some question marks hanging over him again. But I think Romagnoli and Mazzacchio probably deserve some credit because they completely cut Quagliarella out of the game and they've formed quite a nice partnership this season, Kev. Yeah, yeah, they have. I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Romagnoli. I think yeah, he's, he's turned into an absolutely great defender and that's the level that Milan wants to be looking for I think when we talk about when you spoke about uh, Suso just said and Rodriguez there's also an element of when you're thinking about the squad that they've got nobody really pushing them I mean you know you know would Suso stay as a squad player if he actually had somebody in front of him it might actually improve some of his performances Um, on paper you would think it right but has Suzo ever shown anything in his character to, to suggest that 
he's likely to be driven by an external factor. It just seems like he's happy to do what he does. Mm. Yeah. But no, you're right. We don't really know, do we? If he had someone challenging him, you would expect maybe, but I don't know. It's it's hard to tell, isn't it? Anyway, Vito, go, Sam. Brilliant. To be honest, I felt we should have won more than 1 0. It was a fortuitous goal that we scored, but Quayarella probably should have scored three, especially. Uh, that third chance he had, which hit the crossbar, albeit through a deflection. The Frel probably should have got another two goals in the second half. And Saponara nearly could have wrapped it up in the end, but Donnarumma made a fine save. So I think there were those chances. And even just our general play, because Milan tried to play out from the back, but especially in that first half, they looked really confused. And we just constantly pressured Milan. And that was uh, fantastic to see. Milan only really changed us in the last 25 minutes. And that was when they had Paqueta and Andrea Conti on the field. Otherwise, most of our guys were really in control. They were very confident. And uh, yeah, um, and without uh, Albanecta, who's been crucial in midfield, I think uh, yeah, that makes things uh, more impressive from our perspective. Mm, big win. Now, well, still three points behind. Atalanta and Lazio, but that Roma defeat makes it interesting, especially with Torino and Fiorentina holding each other to a point each. Sampdoria have now kind of crawled up on on par with Torino, which is making the race for that last Europa League spot really interesting. Mm. Well, I think the Europa League's still within our reach. That's a possibility, but again, like with most other clubs in the top half of the table, it's a matter of consistency and uh, you know, to get the win and also without Fabio Quagliarella scoring, I think that's a big plus. So, yeah, more wins on the board, obviously, and also other players contributing to the score would really help our cause because there are a lot of teams above us that are slipping and we really need to capitalise. Mm. Well, speaking about Quagliarella, Kev, let's go back to the international break, shall we? He popped up. He did his job. The old man still has it. Penalties, yeah. I still have to put them away, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, no. It's um, I don't know. Does it does it justify his inclusion? I don't. Absolutely, I don't know. it does. Immobile would have missed them. I still. Well, you, the thing is, you've got the flip side that Moyes Ken is is that other generational. You know that you know that is what exactly that it should have been used for. You know, I know, I know Quagliarella obviously contributed with, with goals and things, but... He got his goal too. Yeah, you, but you, exactly. You had, the, you, had the two, you had the two flip sides to what you could have used those games for. And Quagliarella will probably not be there next summer. On the flip side of that then, Kev, if we're just going to keep saying flip side, um, yeah. how, how much is Moise Ken going to take from a game against Liechtenstein? Well, when he's got very limited international experience, probably quite a lot. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's being around the squad. It's different. It's, it's a different type of football. Mm. Uh, well, not a million miles from probably what he's playing in Champions League in um, with, I, with Juve. I think it's a, the standard is a lot worse than what he plays every week with Juve, even yeah, within the Italy it, camp. I don't think it's the standard. I think it's learning. It's, it's having to force yourself to play with players that you don't train with every week. You know, I think you've got to integrate a lot quicker. You know, you, 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 
you've got to use those days really, really wisely to learn where people are going to be playing balls to you. You've got to absorb the information the coaches give you, you know, who you're not dealing with on a on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Team Quags. Team Quags. We'll get mm. on to Ken a little bit later, yeah. actually, because I'm not quite sure how good he really is. But that that loss, shockingly, did actually mean Milan are now currently on the second longest winless run in Serie A too. They've also lost the last two games. So, a lot of drama in Serie A's top half this week. But... Let's go on to arguably the worst game of the weekend then, shall we? And I had the, the fortune of being there. Inter lost to Lazio. And this was turgid, Vito. If, there's, if there was ever a game of football that kind of summed up everything you hate about football, this was it. Well, Lazio, they played in the classical Italian style. They had numbers at the back, they hit on the counter, and they, all they needed was one goal because Inter were just so predictable when they were in possession. They really, only Politano looked like a real threat for Inter, whereas the rest of them were just happy to pass to someone, but there was no one to play killer balls and hardly anyone to sort of have that killer touch up front. Inter practically played into Lazio's hands. Quite literally, mate, because I lost count of how many times Inter put a cross in that went straight into the six-yard box that Strakosha just caught. Every single time they put a ball into the box, it was just straight at them. It was unbelievable. You said predictable. That's exactly what they were. They're they predictable, boring, rigid. They they didn't move. I was, I don't know how many times during the game we were saying to each other that when Inter's players don't have the ball, not one of them is actually moving. The player with the ball moves, and everyone else just stays in that like designated forty-three-one position that they've started the match in. And no wonder they can't break anyone down because no one's doing anything at all. And people will point to the fact that Lautaro and Icardi were both out. But even if they were there, they still wouldn't have had a chance to work with. It was unbelievable. Kev, Inter, what, what's happening? Yeah, no, I think it, it all drives back to Spalletti. You know, we've, we've seen it for too much this year. They, they're very workmanlike. They're very mechanical. We 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 banged on a little bit about the lack of lack of creativity, but well, firstly behind Akadi, but like like you've just described there, where the rest of the team don't move. You know, I don't even think. I I think if you drop a create, you know, a, a really good creative player within that side, then they just pass the ball to him and expect him to 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 do the work for them. You know, to lay on those assists to maybe pop up with a, you know, a long range, long range worldie or something. And, and I think the the fundamentals of whatever Spalletti is, is is drilled into them now needs to be broken down by somebody else during the summer. Um, obviously, we can talk long into the night or morning here about who could potentially replace him. But when you think about when you think about what needs to be reworked there, and you think, well, if Sari's a potential candidate for the Roma job. He, he at least, if you like, changes the, the whole team, you know, because he, he works very much as the unit rather than, you know, just purchasing individuals to fill gaps in the squad. You might get that more fluid movement from the, from the, from the side, which is just, is just lacking under Spalletti. Oh, what do they do? If you look at it on the surface, they brought in, who did they bring in last summer? Rosalco 
De Vrij, Nangalan, Politano, Lautaro Martinez, and they were supposed to push on. They've gone backwards. Vito, what do they do this summer? Do they spend more? Do they just replace Spalletti and hope that the rest clicks? Because the card will go. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I would expect Icardi to go, but uh, I've been saying it for the last year or two. They got a Sapiro Silio as a sporting director. He sucks. How many do you have to spend 100 million euros on defensive midfielders? That's insanity. He needs creativity. He needs creativity, some spark. I mean, look, if, even if they don't get rid of Orsilio and they sell a Cardi, to me, maybe they need to spend the extra dollar, extra euros on the Diego Simeone. I think he's extending his contract at Atletico, but find a way to get him to Inter because I think he's probably the only coach that might be able to do something with this squad. This squad has too much uh, physicality and solid plays. There isn't enough flair. And Diego Simeone's teams, they don't play with a lot of flair. They rely a lot on Antoine Griezmann to do something. So if Simeone was that coach, he'd probably be putting a lot of eggs into the Matteo Politano basket to do something. And maybe, I don't know, maybe knowing the line, but not even he's that creative anyway. So... Whoever comes there next, I think they really need to find another striker to replace Icardi, assuming that he goes, and just need some more midfielders that actually can do something on the ball. Because if you're relying on a slow and aging Borja Valero to create something, you really got problems. He he's unbelievable. I always quite liked him when he was at Fiorentina, and I, I think what for three weeks I didn't <laughs> it looked like it was going to work. They, they really hate him there. He went off the pitch and the Inter fans were celebrating as if they had scored when Valero's number went up. And then <laughs> just to make it clear that they weren't applauding him for his efforts, as soon as his name was read out, the whistles were mad. And this is just Inter. They hate everyone. Icardi, Candreva, Valero, everyone just got whistled, booed, 
it, it's such a toxic place to play when it goes wrong. But this is, it's strange because they're always entertaining, but it gets boring after a while because it's just the same thing. It's, it's always interesting, I guess, in that they're either exciting and fun or an absolute circus in, in how bad they are. And Kev, do you see a way forward for them? It, right, no, actually, it, they could quite feasibly miss out on the Champions League this year because Atalanta play at the Giuseppe, Giuseppe Meazza next weekend. And that, if... It, they could be in a position where Atalanta have overtaken them next weekend. At the very least, they could go within two points of it. It's just... It's unbelievable. I think uh, I think the way Atalanta and also Lazio are, are picking points up and a bit of momentum, I think would, would must be a real worry for both uh, Milanese sides. You know, they are the great entertainers, as we called them this year, Atalanta. I, you know, I thought they I thought they they'd fallen away. They had a couple of poor results. The batterers seemed to stop scoring, but. I need to look at look better at their fixtures, but I don't know. There's there's what four points isn't you know to to take over Milan. They could do it. Mm. It's definitely possible, but from an Inter perspective, how has it gone so badly wrong? No, um, do you know I'm actually I'm actually boring myself talking about Inter now, so we're gonna move on from that, and we will go somewhere a little bit happier. We'll we'll come here to Parma where the Bergamaschi did win 3-1. And this after going 1-0 down, it kind of showed a lot about them. I'm just looking at the fixtures now. They have to they have to go to Inter, they have to go to Napoli, they have to go to Lazio, and they have to go to Juventus between now and the end of the season. So there's going to be some serious showdowns for Gasparini's side. And this is while they're concentrating on the Coppa Italia as well. It's going to be an interesting run-in. See, now, earlier in the week, I shared a tweet with you about their move to the Mapai for the last couple of games of the season. Mm-hmm. I kind of took that, you know, I, was, I tweeted you tongue in cheek, but I kind of took that as their acceptance that they weren't going to get Champions League football. Or, you know, unless you tell me different that the, the stadium um, work was due to be done, you know, a long time before, because I just think they're in such a strong position and that stadium of theirs is such a, you know, and it can be a really, a really big advantage against sides. I just didn't understand it. I just didn't understand, you know, why they're doing it. I get what you mean. This this stadium has been planned for quite some time, and they want it to be ready for the beginning of next season. And knowing how Italians work, I think they probably should have started six months ago for that to be the case. But I get what you mean. They also made the Mape a real fortress when they were there too. They beat Leon, they beat Everton. Yeah, yeah. They they beat Apollon or did they they beat Apollon. They drew with Dortmund and were within seven minutes from beating them. And then when they played there this season, they scored six goals against Aswallo. I suppose the argument is is if they're in a position to clinch Champions League, you know, you know what the fans are like. The fans will travel. Oh yeah. And well, they will make they will make that look home ground. So there were four thousand Atalanta fans here in Parma this weekend, mm. and they all travelled from Bergamo. It's not like the, a lot of Bergamaschi live here mm. or anything. Whereas when when you see Juve and Napoli come here and they do similar numbers, maybe five six thousand, it's because yeah. the majority of those live here. Um, mm. But it was it was insane. 
the, the support and it could actually play into their hands if they've got the chance to qualify for the Champions League. Imagine the boost they'd get from, I don't know, 10,000 fans going to Reggio Emilia for a game, knowing that they're playing 200 kilometers away from home and these absolute mad people have traveled that far to see them play a, a home away game. I just think that would be incredible. And for Sassuolo and Genoa, the games that are being played there, they must just look at it and think, wow, we're up against it today and we're not even playing in Bergamo. I, it's hard to know how it will play out, but I think they could definitely turn it into a positive because it did become a home from home for them. They played there in the summer and everything um, in the qualifiers, which was a bit odd. But let's talk about the main man. Papu Gomez, because, oh my God, he was unbelievable. He he did about three players' jobs throughout this game. He was a striker, a number 10, and a, an Andrea Pirlo or Raquel May type player in the second half. It was unbelievable. I've seen him play so many times for Atalanta. I've seen Atalanta play so many times. This is possibly the best individual performance I've seen from an Atalanta player in the last few years. And that says a lot, given how much they've achieved in the last few years. And Kev, how, or no, Vito, you've been quiet. How on earth is Papu Gomez still underrated, even by those who know how good he is? Look, I, look, I think it's really just a reflection of where Serie A is in, in general at the moment. If it was still the best league in the world like it was in the 1980s and 1990s, I'm sure he would be getting more pre- credit and plaudits. And also, I think... Even Argentina, with that generation there, although a lot of them are probably past the best or showing some signs of decline, Argentina still produces an amazing amount of players. And, uh, yeah, Papu Gomez is another one in that production line. So it's very hard for most of them to sort of get praise because there's just so many of them around. But uh, I think if Atalanta have another campaign in Europe next year and they go far, they improve on what happened in 2017-2018, I'm sure that uh, he might get more recognition and plaudits. Mm. You you would think so, right? Because he got the the call-up for Argentina when they were struggling to qualify for the World Cup Mm. and he played, didn't quite do his best, but, I mean, he he played and he had a part in the squad that got them there in the end. And it, it just, it continues to blow my mind that he's still there. If you look at Serie A, you've got Juve and Napoli aside. Well, Juve aside, definitely. Napoli, maybe not. He would improve Inter, Milan, Lazio, Roma. He would improve all of those teams and possibly even Napoli as well because they were looking at him after the, the amazing season when Atalanta finished fourth with 72 points. And it's just, it's a mystery that he's still there, but what a joy it is that he is still there because it's he's so amazing to watch. And I think it shows a lot of people give more credit to Ilicic when he plays well. But I'm always quick to say that Ilicic is phenomenal six times a season. Papu does it 35 times a season. And when, when Gomez isn't there, Ilicic isn't himself. When Ilicic isn't there, Papu still does it. It's just... Mm. it's hard to know what to say about him but in the second half he, he could have he should have scored twice against Parma 
<laughs> but he was playing. He was playing behind Darun and Freuler at times. He was just wandering around doing what he wanted, picking out passes, finding space, nutmegging people. He's unbelievable. Um, Aaron Holland says Papu for Ballon d'Or. I put that a couple of years ago. He's got a Ballon d'Or. I'll share a tweet about that. So follow me at Conjay Clancy. You'll see that. And someone else, H.A., which is a strange name, says, I think Milan wanted him a few years ago, but he refused to leave. Yeah, he did turn down a couple of moves a couple of seasons ago. Um, and he's just had a kid as well, a third kid in Bergamo, which he always says he's, he's happy living there. But oh, he, he's probably, he must be, what, 31 now? 31. Yeah, he's 31. So he's probably past the point of getting a big move. So maybe he will stick it out for another couple of years. Um, what should we do? Duvan, back in the goals, Kev. Good timing as well. Two big goals to win it. Yeah, he took his... Uh, he took. I know his first one was what some people would class as a tap-in, but it was going slightly behind him. He sort of sort of dug it out from his feet and, and you know, that was... That was arguably more impressive than the than the next one because it was the crucial uh, goal to give him the lead. He'd had what three or four games without scoring. Mm. I think they need to. You know, obviously that's a that's a positive for them going into the end of the season. Um, I just need everybody firing, don't they? If they're gonna if they're gonna really really push for the Champions League, you would think, right? But it does seem like everyone still has a couple of dropped points in them, so. Yeah, I mean, you the thing know. was the patter was I realised he was 28 at the weekend because he seems to have been around for ages. Mm. Um, he was at Napoli, wasn't he? Very, very young. Yeah, but he was, was there for a while without ever really being there. Yeah. He was loaned out a lot. Um, I think I only remember that from football games that I used to play when my me, the old man, still played computer games, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I wondered if when we're talking about Gomez potentially missing now the chance for a bigger move because of his age, whether Zapata would be whisked away potentially by someone in the summer if uh, if Atalanta didn't make Champions League, if they only, in inverted commas, made Europa League. It's funny that we're talking about Atalanta in terms of only getting Europa League because that's still ridiculous. But yeah, I do think if Atalanta don't get Champions League, Zapata's off. But they'll, they'll get a lot of money from with the way the market is now, they will get a lot of money for him. There'll be an additional Europa League place as well, won't there, this year? Um, I'm not sure how it works because the they changed everything. Oh, and okay. If if Fiorentina win the Coppa Italia, then no. But if oh, it yeah. goes I to the other side. What about Fiorentina, I think? I can't remember who. It's Lazio. and Lazio, Milan. Ah, that's it. Yeah, so if one of those win it, it'll probably drop down. Um, but if Fiorentina win it then no so Atalanta kind of need to beat Fiorentina in in the return leg in Bergamo at the end of this month which is set up to be a cracker and lastly on Atalanta I want to I want to talk about Pierluigi Gallini because he went there after a pretty poor time in England with Aston Villa he came in on loan originally to replace Marcus Sportiello and he was largely second choice and then Last season, a little bit, he came into the team for a couple of games here and there, but then would never really earn Gasparini's trust and get booted out. And then this season, him and Borussia have swapped around a fair bit. But now he's he's really proving himself to be the best goalkeeper they have. And he was in top form on Sunday morning, Vito. Well, he made a few crucial saves. Like, 
It was that Bruno Alves free kick that yeah. probably would have gone in on other occasions, but that was a stunning save. And there were probably another two or three saves that Golini made that were really outstanding. So, yeah, there was also a block on uh, Fabio Charapolo in the first half as well. So, no, he was alert when he needed to be. And although he can see that goal from Jovino, I can see that probably in the long term he'd be a better option than Etrit Berisha. I think so. As Berisha has been a good servant in his few years there, but he's just, it's hard to trust him. He, he seems to miss saves that you would expect him to make. And when there's a cross coming into the box, he kind of makes you panic a little bit. But Kev, guess who has the longest unbeaten run in Serie A at the moment? Is that Atlanta? It is. It's their man, Lazio. They've, they've both fought four games without. So the narrative continues, mate. Mm. The narrative continues. But where are we going next? What is next? Um, Juve Empoli, 1-0. No point talking about it. So let's just talk about Moise Ken because he got the winner. And Kev, I still don't really know if he's good. No, nor do I. I know I used him <laughs> as my example for the, uh, for the young, hopeful Italian. We just don't see enough of him. We just, we just don't see enough of him. Um. You know, so we have done. We saw him with Verona, and he was somewhere else on loan, I think. But he never did anything that was that impressive until this season. And that's no, nice. and it's uh, it's a little bit of a purple patch, isn't it? I mean, let's face it: will he get used any more than he currently is at Juve for the rest of this season? Probably not. Will he get used next year? Not unless he moves on, I think. it's. Um, I think it's a problem of a young player being at a side as large as Juve with aspirations of not just dominating Italy, but, but Champions League, really. You've got to be an outstanding footballer, really, to break into that side when you've got the likes of Ronaldo, Mandzukic, Dybala in front of you. Um sadly there there does seem to be several several players of that age now that will sit there and just bide their time and then some sometimes miss their chance unfortunately rather than trying to go and look for first team football elsewhere i'm not sure yeah. whether it's his choice or being forced to go on loan previous seasons he can't i think i did read an um an interview where he kind of indicated that he, he he stuck around to try and make the break breakthrough at Inter. So clearly he's got confidence in his own ability. Clearly the Italian national side has got confidence in at least taking a look at him. Um but he needs he needs an either an extremely good um turn of fortune to maybe land him with a place in you know, a regular place in the Juventus side, um, for us to see exactly what he's got. Mm, you would think so. You would think so, but Vito, what are your thoughts on little Ken? Look, I'm happy to cut him a bit of slack, to be honest. The last season was at Hellas Verona, but they were a mess last season and Fabio Peck is a rubbish coach, so he wasn't going to develop under a coach like him, let's face it. As for this purple patch he's going through, I'm glad he's taking his chances because Juve now, they've been experiencing a few injuries, not just Cristiano Ronaldo, so... I think this is a good time for him to sort of capitalise on those opportunities. And so far, he's, uh, he's been scoring. And 
hopefully he can keep it up. He has been good in youth internationals for Italy, I think. Yeah, he scored in the under-19s final last year against Portugal, which Italy lost 4-3, but he scored two goals from Mary. So he has come through the Azzurini ranks, and now I suppose that's why Mancini's given him that trust with the senior squad. So hopefully that continues. The comments seem to agree that he's going to move on. HA says Ken should leave to get more playing time. Juve are killing Italian talent. A bit harsh. And Aaron Holland says that Ken is the next Chelsea flop that will return to Serie A and shine, which I wouldn't be too surprised about something like that happening, I guess. I just, before we move away from the top and down to the bottom, I do just want to say, tell people to go to the website and read the exclusives that we did over the, the international break. Vieri Capretta spoke with Spal captain Mirko Antonucci. I had a chat with Florentia and Ireland women's star Stephanie Roach and Dov spoke to Juventus women's uh, Petronella Eckroth. Sorry for pronouncing that name terribly. And soon enough, we, we have an interview done with a Sampdoria player, which will be going up very, very soon. Vito, I'm sure you'll be able to share that with your Sampdoria loving friends as well. Um, oh, I hope so. But anyway, let's go down to the bottom where there were some big, big wins um, Mirko Antonucci, FIF's friend and his team did get a big win away at Frosinone, 1-0 and it was very, very important because Udinese also won, as did Bologna, which means Empoli are now in the bottom three, and it's not looking good because those other three teams have a little bit of momentum about them Kev are Empoli in big trouble Yeah, I think we all expected them to lose against Juve this weekend but it's the problem is, is that the others won and Empoli now find themselves trying to chase because, you know, a lot of the Bologna is a team that really, um, not surprised me at the weekend, but, um, I just, they seem to have that Mihailovic grit between their teeth as well, as well as bringing in a little bit, a little bit of quality. Um, we spoke about it before about what they brought in in January. Empley have got an awful run. Uh, well, they've got certainly got a few difficult tests in the next few weeks, and I mean, if they don't, if they don't keep them in touching distance, I think mean, that's our free to go down alongside Kievo and Frosinone. Yeah. Well, well, Kev, let's, let's do it again. Mm. Guess who the the team in Serie A are with the longest current winning streak? Is it Bologna? It is Bologna, and it's three games, which is a little bit sad, isn't it? The three is the current best, but. I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the team they beat. I've said it a couple of times, but Sassuolo, they're sitting there. They haven't won in a long time. They are currently seven points above Empoli. But they're so much fun. They're not anymore, though. They were oh, until yeah. the end of September. Now they're terrible. No, it was and only a couple of weeks ago. It was 5-3 against Sam. Yes. Yeah, but Sam- that was Sam- Sam- game. Fun. That was Samp being fun and Samp yeah, just being there. Well, okay. So, so Sassuolo may not be fun themselves, but you can guarantee fun when they're in town. I don't think that's true, mate. That's I've been true. to Reggio Emilia too often to know that that's not true. Okay. It's a terrible place. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but no, seriously, I, I don't know why. And there are a lot of teams between Sassuolo and the drop, but you just, there's always one team that like sneakily just drop 
and drop and drop and then oh my god we're getting relegated and I think it's Sassuolo but in all seriousness I reckon Empoli will go down but I just think Sassuolo are worth keeping an eye on between now and the end of the season I think if there was a stronger bottom three then that's when you will see a side plummet and another side take them over just none of that bottom three have got anything well not anything about them but enough about them to sort of have a quick surge you know, you need Sassuolo maybe to lose a couple of games and then Empoli win a couple on the bounce and they just they just don't seem to be able to sort of muster that. You challenge. say that, right? But Udinese have won three of their last five. Bologna have won their last three. Spal have won their last two. So wh- why can't Empoli? They need to Caputo to fire in the goals constantly because nobody else is. They do seem over-reliant on Caputo. Hmm. Yeah, all right. Um, it, it wouldn't be fair to tease Aaron Holland like by talking about Bologna and not mentioning the man who got the winner. But <laughs> I'm not necessarily one for being fair, so we're not going to talk about Matthew Testro. We're going to move on. Um, <laughs> nah, give him some credit. He, he came on, and so too did Pulga, to be fair. Both of them came on and scored with what I think was their first touches. Vito, they need Destro. To score goals if they're going to stay up. Well, he's still more mobile than your mate Federico Santander. <laughs> so I think Destro, if he's uh, switched on and not spending time with his beautiful TV show wife, Ludovica, um, if he can stick to playing football, he can do something. And he scored two goals under Mahalo, which was under Inzaghi. He did bugger all. No one did anything under Inzaghi. Um, Aaron said Destro will single-handedly keep Bologna up if he does if they do stay up it's not because of Mattia Destro it just isn't it's an ex-Santori connection (laughs) there you go anyway um, elsewhere Fiorentina Torino drew one all there was a bizarre goal there with Giovanni Simeone scoring seemingly (laughs) just disregarding the offside rule until you saw it from an angle and realised that it was just a a really weird situation Daniela Bazzelli scored a screamer uh, what else was there? Oh, speaking of absolute golazos, Mandrago. Oh, yeah. Wow. For Udinese against Genoa. Kev, describe it. Oh, what a take. So he's about 25 yards out. The ball comes to his on his chest. And he, the chest control is where he chests it up just to give him enough time to sort of take a half step back and then just left foot volley, dipping straight into the straight into the corner. Ridiculous. And it went so high mm. when he hit it. I was like, that's going way off target. And it was a beautiful dropped. arc. It was a beautiful arc of the ball down beyond the goalkeeper's reach. Mm. Lovely. One of those that if you see it, knowing, like, you watch it in a goals compilation. Um, actually, go over and watch the goals compilation on the Serie A YouTube channel because it's excellent. They show every single goal from the weekend. You watch it there. You see him shoot. Mm. And you think, no. Because you know you're only seeing goals, but the way the shot takes off, you think, there's no way this could... Oh, my God, it has. It's in the net now. Unbelievable. Really good. And it is quite a talent. He could probably go on to do something. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Kievo, nil, Cagliari, three. Cagliari, fine. Vito. Yeah, they're pretty much good. You'd think they would be able to survive. Uh, probably the main highlight of that game was... Uh, the Italian international Nicolo Barella making a fine assist for Joel Pedro. Fantastic run, just 
persistent, but he still showed good technique. So um, goes to show, you know, he's finding ways to increase his value on the transfer market. He's an incredible talent. He can do absolutely everything. The, the one thing I would say about him is he's a little bit mad. He's so hot-tempered that he probably just needs to rein that in, but he is still young too. Mm-hmm. He's, Let's hope he doesn't go to Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? Because there seem to be these conflicting reports all the time that he, he wants to stay in Italy because he doesn't want to live abroad, but then he doesn't want to play for another Italian club. He's going to go to Juve, isn't he? That's what happens in this situation. Nearly as bad Sadly. as going to Chelsea. <laughs> Is it? Well, I'm just you know I'm just thinking about the playing time. Do you not think he play at Juve? Well, I suppose he's only got Emre Chan in front of him if they lose Kadira. And then uh, Aaron Ramsey. Oh, good shout! Oh, out, yeah, of course Ramsey. But yeah, I think after the investment they made in Ramsey, maybe Juve isn't the likely destination for him this summer. But um, and he's young enough, I suppose, to at least. Stay at Cagliari for another year. Uh, I don't think so. I think he no. falls into the Andrea Bellotti trap then. And he's just stuck for life. But <laughs> he's been so good this year that I think he has to move. And it's not like this is his breakthrough year either. Last season, he was excellent for them too. Mm. And the year before that, he had shown that he was ready. Mm. So I do think this is the summer for Barella. And if he misses this chance, it's a potentially slippery slope. But we know how this ends. He goes to one of the Milan clubs and his career falls off a cliff. And it's going to be tragic. But let's hope not. Let's hope he doesn't go to a Milan club. He doesn't go to Juve and he doesn't go to Roma. Anywhere else, it's good. Um, go to Bergamo, Napoli. actually. Get him in Bergamo. That'd be fantastic. Playing in the Champions only, League season. Only if you sell Zapata for crazy money. Um, I'm sure that could be arranged. But anyway, guys, we've done it. <laughs> We've made it till the end. A good effort. Yeah. Yeah. Great to be back after the international break. Yeah, it's always nice. It's always quite nice, actually. I do like the little break in the middle of the season, but then it's seeing your faces, hearing your voices again is always good. Um, Kev, thanks for not falling asleep for too long in your rocking chair. Yeah, thanks. That's all right. (laughs) My pleasure. I had to shave everything for you this night, <laughs> Anna. No, you didn't. You did that because your missus was back. That's that's why you had to shave. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Vito, thank you for joining me. Uh, all good, Connor. Looking forward uh, to next week. Listeners, viewers, whatever you're doing, like I said, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. Read my interview with Stephanie Roach. She finished second at the Puskas Awards before. First ever woman to do it. Read Dov's interview with Petronella and read Vieri's interview with, um, who did he interview? Mirko Antonucci. How can I forget? Sorry, Mirko. And yeah, watch out for the Sampdoria player interview to go up very, very soon. So there's a video for that one too, actually. But anyway, uh, get us on Instagram at Forza Italian Football, Facebook at Forza Italian Football, and the Twitter at what, Kev? Uh, Syria FFC. That right? I always get that I don't, wrong know, I don't know how many letters in. you said there, but it's at Serie A FFC. Yeah. Uh, just trying to keep Kevin on his toes. But anyway, you can get us all on our respective Instagram and Facebooks and Twitters as well if you like. But All right, guys. We've done it. There's Atalanta music this week, so I'll talk to you all soon.
Fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.